0: All right. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And today, doing something a little different. We're sitting down with two real life treasure hunters, two real life Indiana Joneses, if you will, Tim Draper and Steve Schaefer. They're the two professional treasure hunters who went out in the Utah desert with me to search for Butch Cassidy's lost gold from his infamous Castle Gate heist. We filmed the expedition. It's airing this Friday at 11 p.m. Eastern Time on the Travel Channel. It's called The Legend Of with Chris Jericho. Steve and Tim also talk about how they got started in treasure hunting and go over some of their best discoveries. I'm talking real treasure like gold bars and ancient, extremely valuable artifacts, you hear what goes into planning an investigation, the expedition itself, and some of the dangers surrounding treasure hunting as we faced. They also talk about why Utah is such a hotbed for treasure, and they share some tips for those of you who want to give treasure hunting a try. Utah is a hotbed because of all of the uh, Aztecs that went up there back in the day and left their treasures up in the Utah desert. It is jam-packed full of artifacts and treasure treasure and gold lots of great stuff uh, super interesting and fun episode and wait till you see our expedition on the travel channel this friday night you'll be fascinated 11 p.m eastern on the travel channel the legend of with chris jericho set your dvrs and check it out if this does a good rating there will be more so please support your boy the legend of with chris jericho Uh, As we look for the lost gold of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and the Wild Bunch, the whole sordid tale will be on the Travel Channel this uh, Friday night at 11 p.m. Eastern. Please check it out. And please check out the final dates of Fozzie's European Judas Rising tour. Uh, We've had a blast here in Europe and the UK doing so many sold-out, jam-packed shows. Italy was crazy. Thanks to Milan, uh, Trezzo, and Roma for uh, great shows. Jam-packed, crazy crowds. Our first time ever in Italy was a huge success. And we're almost ready to head home. Only a few more shows left uh, tonight. Uh, We are here. It's a Tuesday night. We're here in uh, Vienna. Austria, Uh, but when and then Wednesday is Munich in Germany, Uh, Essen, Germany on Thursday, Hamburg, Germany on Friday, Gank Belgium on Saturday. We've been doing VIP meet and greets and pre-show mini concerts on all of the dates, and the Fozzy VIP experience is one of the best out there. Yes, we'll play some songs that you're going to hear in the show, some of your favorites, uh, some songs you're not going to hear in the show, and some of our favorite covers that you'll never hear anywhere else. Plus, you can meet us, get whatever you want signed. It's going to be a great time. Get your tickets for the Fozzy VIP at FozzyRock.com and your tickets for the remaining Munich, Essen, Hamburg, and Gank shows at FozzyRock.com. Plus, December 2nd will be in Springfield, Missouri, on the Toys for Tickets event. You just bring a toy. And you can get a ticket. Go to FozzyRock.com for all the details on that. And then, of course, we come back to Europe in uh, January with Steel Panther. Uh, Go to FozzyRock.com for all of those dates. Lots more dates coming up. Lots of great stuff uh, happening very soon. And lots of stuff happening today. American Treasure Hunters, Steve Schaefer and Tim Draper coming up. Talk is Jericho.
1: I was so tired when I got up this morning. I was dragging like it. I had to crawl on my hands and knees to the toilet. I think. <laughs> That's because of the crazy shoot that we had yesterday, uh,
0: uh, searching for the uh, the missing treasure of Butch Cassidy. And I'm here with actual treasure hunters. We've got Tim Draper and uh, and Steve Schaefer here. And this is this is what you guys actually do. For, for, for a living, you are legitimate treasure hunters.
2: Yeah, you know, I would say I, I, I definitely do have another day job, I guess you can say. But yeah. as of right now, uh, this is my hobby. This is my passion. You know, this is what I've been doing for many years.
0: Yeah. And Steve, this is kind of your, your well, forte four, uh, yeah. as well.
1: Yeah, I started out uh, years ago when I was a young man in the, on the Indian Reservation. And uh, I was fishing on a river called the White Rocks River with Ute Indian friend of mine. And it began to rain and so we fishing was bad and so he's was under a pine tree and we're looking up on the hillside i seen a glinting of yellow and so i decided to go check it out and it turned out to be an old spanish cannon sticking out of the mountain and so anyway make a long story a short, cannon you said yeah, spanish cannon old spanish just on, cannon, on the side of a river on the side of the mountain sticking out of the barrel sticking out of the of a cave wow and so make a long story short we we were kids, and we'd end up losing it because we didn't trust <laughs> too many people. But that's what sparked me it was way back then when I was a young man. And, of course, I had day jobs. And I was uh, went in the Army for several years and went to Vietnam for a couple tours. But when I got out of the, back from there, then I hit this pretty much full-time except when I was actually working. And then uh, I went to college. Um, I have a, a bachelor's degree in archaeology and a master's degree in education yeah you're, you're an, actually an archaeologist right which when you come from my generation it was like one
0: of the coolest jobs you could ever imagine because of Indiana Jones that's right yeah you know whole, like, all Indiana of, Jones, yeah true. all of kind of the, yeah. the, the, the the adventure and the life of, of you know traveling and pursuing all these things
1: is that kind of
0: what it is it like
1: yeah, it, that at all and I was kind of a, a, a not the mainstream type I was a kind of a I was kind of a a, a rogue. Mm-hmm. My own thing, just like Indiana Jones. Yeah, and I was totally <laughs> against mainstream academia, uh-huh. and we would fight back. You know, not physically fight, but word fight, right? Back and forth. And then when I, uh, oh, I mean, I, I started doing it pretty much full time. Probably.
0: So, what do you mean, though? Quickly, when you said that, that that you that you're fighting back against the norm, like what 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 does conventional archaeology consist of, and what were you doing that was against the the grain?
1: Well, when I when I started doing the arguments with them was when uh, I was uh, bucking mainstream thought on uh, people in America, in Utah, the Spanish coming to Utah looking for gold, petroglyphs, uh, Indi- uh, Spanish symbols. What's a petroglyph? Uh, well, a petroglyph is a rock is rock art on the side of a- uh, Like
0: a drawing on the side of
1: a right, cave or right. something Native like this.
2: And, uh, Indian type
1: drawings and stuff like that, they leave on rocks. Mm-hmm. The Spanish do the same thing, uh, but they've done a lot of uh, carvings on trees. Uh, pine trees and things like that and uh, there's still several of them left around not yep. many people have a tendency now to cut them out and take them home mm. which is stupid but Cause you're uh,
0: saying those would be clues to where treasure might be for example anything
1: could be a treasure could be a mine camp could be food could be water uh i was it, taught by the union indians how to read those signs because i was i I'd lived with them for a long time mm. and i still have many friends out there that uh that you know, that I hang with, but I was taught by some of the old timers how to read those signs. And uh, that got me just juiced up, you know. And uh, so I've been doing this uh, pretty much full time since about 1972. Mm. I mean, actually,
0: yeah, actually you know, going and looking after
1: things. And, and uh, it's been my passion, but also ancient America uh, is also a passion of mine is uh, dipping into ancient America the way it really was, not the way they say it was. Mm. Meaning, so, meaning what? Well, like Columbus being the first European to ever settle uh, in 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 the Americas. That's not the case. Well, he was a, he was a latecomer. So, so what?
0: What do you? What's your theory, or what evidence have you seen as well, far as that we've goes? Seen a
1: lot of evidence of uh, peoples that came to America: Egyptians, Phoenicians, Libyans. Uh, I have artifacts at home that are uh, Babylonian. They're found in Utah. Uh, lead plates with uh, c- uh, cuneiform writing on them. Mm. Uh, we have uh, panels that are Libyan in Utah. Wow. Yeah, and uh, then
2: you have to ask yourself, how did those get here? Well, obviously,
0: right. And the same thing, it's not in any history book, you know. Uh, so, so you're finding artifacts from some of these places, like you mentioned, Lib- Libya. Yeah. And there's no record of anybody from Libya coming over on the Nina and you know, the Pinto and the Libya. Santa Maria.
1: And, and even Phoenicians. And, Phoenicians uh, would be? The Phoenicians, uh, the word Egyptians Phoenicia means the red-headed men. And they, were, they came from around Greece and, and places like that, and they were the great mariners of the world. And mm. they came to America to mine copper, and they went to the Great Lakes, and over a period of a thousand years, they mined, mined over 500 million metric pounds of copper. And they started the copper age in Europe. Mm. And the copper mines are still there. The history is there. The proof is there. But mainstream don't want it. So they were coming over on these ships, just
0: like Columbus did. Only, but they were year bigger ships and years, hundreds of years, or dozens, year. thousands of years beforehand. So why has that never been really uh, publicized then?
1: Well, it has been, uh, but uh, it's it's been rejected by mainstream academia, and uh, because <laughs> it's not the norm. Right. Uh, Miss Smithsonian is one of our biggest. I guess they're they're like nemesis. Mm-hmm. Uh, they hide a lot of things. What is it that you said? With the who? They're nem There there are nemesis. Who is? Uh, Ms. Smithsonian. The Smithsonian. Like yeah, the Smithsonian they are, Institute. They hide a lot of stuff, and it's been proven. And um, I I've uh, contacted about the Spanish in Utah, things we found, and they just flat say you're wrong. There's nothing like that ever happened. And,
0: so it's almost like you're going into conspiracy theories here.
2: Well, and that's the way they make us feel because I was going to say around the time, you know, I've been doing this for quite a while, but Steve is my mentor. Mm. Steve is the one you can tell he's very knowledgeable. He's been doing this for a long time. And um, as he was teaching me, he started opening up my eyes, I guess you can say, to things like this. And uh, when he would send me out to certain places when I was starting off. He, I remember I was finding some things and I would ask him, hey, should we get, you know, the Forest Service, the BLM, anybody like that involved? And, you know, every once in a while I would go, well, I guess you could, but you might not get too far. I thought that I was doing the right thing by here's a discovery that I made. You know, here's something that that is I guess you can say that's been lost in time. Like what, uh, for example? For 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 one thing, one of my biggest first sites was that um, Steve helped me point me to a, a Spanish site here in Utah. Spanish has always been something that. That history is definitely near and dear to me. Uh, I love the Spanish history. Um, so anyways... Uh, Just to make he, you a quick detour, you yeah. keep
0: mentioning Spanish in Utah. Is there, is there a lot of... like why, why a lot of Spanish gold or Spanish evidence, artifacts, etc. here in Utah? You know, Utah, from what I've seen, and, and I, I'm sure
2: Steve's seen the same thing, there's something about Utah. You know, Utah, it's, it's just one of those kind of places to where it seemed like it was, might have been one of the last places that were ever touched before. Um, but then the, the LDS pioneers settled in the area, and they had their own objectives or objectives. Sorry, I guess you can say, and um, they were more into the you know the church and you know and, and um, well, I, I got to be careful with what I say about that. But they were they had their own thing going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they were finding down. history. There were things that were being found. And at the time, you know, people who were finding these new pioneers that just got to to Utah, um, of course, when they brought it forward to the church, the church leaders would say, hey, you know, we're here. We're not here for this kind of stuff. So a lot of things, I guess Mm. you can say, if I say it very lightly, I feel like a lot of things not necessarily were covered up, but a lot of things weren't.
0: Are you talking about study. like like when you said the LDS? Is that kind of the Mormon? That's the that's the so Mormon church. What you're saying, just so I can get it kind of in my mind, is that the Mormons were coming here, and when you were finding these Spanish
1: artifacts, for example,
0: yeah, they weren't interested in that because well, that's not where they were coming so to settle. That,
1: it wasn't so much that uh, the leader at that time was Brigham Young with the Church of Jesus Christ Latter Day Saints. Latter Day Saints, and gotcha. He didn't want his people focused on treasure. Exactly. He uh. them to focus on Getting their there you built, go get, made, yep. get their homes built, okay the they family, had their
2: own thing
0: going right. on
1: because you know when Johnson's army came all those soldiers they they scoured the the mountains east of Salt Lake and they were making mines and hunting stuff and and they were taking a few of the young men with them but from the church or from the, the yeah, I got you. sure yeah 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 from the, yeah.
0: From the tribe they, or whatever it just yeah.
1: caused problems with the families hmm. yeah. so as Brigham Young said if you find something leave it alone don't bring it back we don't want to see it gotcha. And so he just wanted the people to focus on maintaining their li- livelihoods. Right. right.
0: Okay. So, so when you're
1: finding.
2: Yeah, that's kind of been, that's at least my thought on it. You know, I feel like that if it was more people like Steve at the time, I guess you can say real archaeologists, I think a lot of this history would have been brought forward more at that time as these discoveries were made, but a lot of them just were not brought forward to the public. And so the Utah history, I guess you can say, is it doesn't seem like there's really that much here, but people like me and Steve know that there are a a lot here in Utah and there's a lot of discoveries to be made so to go back to my first site Mm -hmm. the Spanish site, I spent almost a year on that one, hiking I I spent a lot of time on that one, but then I came across the old Spanish smelter and I found some old Spanish symbols. At the time I didn't know if they were Spanish or not, right? I I found these structures Um, I remember I I told Steve about them, I sent him some pictures, he was helping me out with that he came out to the site and there was that one point that I did try to contact I guess you can say the authorities, higher. power that I felt like maybe if I brought it to their attention maybe they can you know help us out you know get some archaeologists involved and and uh, start digging into the history of what I found and right away their first words were no the Spanish were never here in Utah no there is no history like that here and so I learned very quickly in my career treasure hunting that um, no matter what we find no matter what we say they already I guess you can say they already have it in their mind what they want people to know right. what yeah, they yeah, yeah. think. Yeah. So it makes it kind of hard. You know, it's hard to get the... It's not even really the credibility, but it's just hard to come out and say, look, we found this banner site. We well, found this lost history.
0: In a lot of says. ways, I mean, this is kind of... It's not paranormal, but it reminds me a lot of some of the paranormal, you know, hunters that I have on the show where they're looking for something and people think they're crazy, whether it be a, yeah. you know, a Bigfoot hunter or a cryptozoologist or whatever it may be. I'm sure there's just as many people that go, oh, the treasure hunters are here. You might as well be looking for a Sasquatch in a lot of ways because people <laughs> don't think that
1: you're credible because of what you're saying and what the mainstream thought is. Okay, yeah. to, to make a point there on that mainstream thought, mm-hmm. back in the 80s, while being in the high U- U- in the mountains of Utah, I stumbled upon a mine It was hidden in the timber. And uh, so I researched it around and hunted, and pretty soon I found an old mine claim. It was in a, uh, the claim was in a Prince Albert can,
0: and so I dug it out,
1: and it was a man by the name of John Young that claimed that up there in 1943. Meaning he found it and said, this is mine sort of thing? Yeah. My mine? claims there, and so we started doing research, and my partner at that time was Gail Rhodes, and he was the grandson of, a great-grandson of Caleb Rhodes of the Lost Rhodes Mine fame in Utah. Lost Roads Mines in Utah is a big big name. You can look it up
2: online. If you type in uh, Lost Roads Mines in Utah, it, you will find website after website, forum after forum about it. it, it what is it?
1: It's, it, was, uh, it was a mine that was uh, well, there was actually seven mines but the one particular mine was the mine, uh, Chief Warkara and Chief Tabby had the vision that they should give their gold to the Big Hats when they came to the Salt Lake Valley. Well, when the Mormons arrived, they had those big Wow! And so they they got Thomas Rhodes, well Brigham Young chose him, and they took him into the mountains to get gold out of this particular ancient mine for the church, uh, so they could gild their temple and different things with gold. And so that's what he did. And then he, when he died, his son Caleb took over, and my my ex-partner, my former partner, is dead now. Was his was his grandson? Mm-hmm. So anyway, I got a hold of him. And him and I together uh, started researching that mine that we found, that I found up on Hoyt Peak, which is on the very western edge of the Uintas, the Uinta Mountains. We come to find out, through a lot of hard work, uh, that it was an ancient Spanish mine. And we, and we found even the document proven that it was the Lost Josephine Mine, which is one of the most famous mines in the West.
2: Didn't the Spanish end up it, end up saying at one time that it was like their second richest uh, gold deposit they ever found of that time? Well, Wasn't there something the like that? And,
1: hmm. uh, some some of the Spaniard some of the Spanish documents said it was the false Josephine. They called it actually the the Josephine de Marquette mine, mm-hmm. but it was still the Josephine mine. And there's been several other mines called the Josephine. So you found this mine? I found it, and and it was the only one in Utah that's been documented. But yet, even though I have the documentation and all the research from Spain and from Mexico City that I have, mainstream academia will not acknowledge it. Yeah, yeah. why? And we I found a gold bar in the tunnel uh, that was uh, uh, like seven and a half pounds. Anyway. What is that worth, a seven and a half well, pound bar stupid. of gold? I sold it for 30,000 bucks. Oh, yeah, it would have been that. worth a lot more than but that. But it had the Spanish stamps on it. <laughs> wow. Uh, I found a Spanish sword. I found uh, markers in the trees. I, all of this in the all mine. This, all up above, it and a, around, in, the whole area. around that area. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: quickly, Steve, when you find for, when you find something like a Spanish sword or a seven pound bar of gold, is that instantly finders keepers, or is there some kind of a process
1: well, you have to go through? We had the mining claim mm-hmm. up there, and so anything that comes on that mining claim is mine. Okay. <laughs> and, and so um, the forest service worked with us really well at that time period, and uh, they were really into that. Mm. Uh, this, it's rare. It's very rare to have forest service work with you like yeah, that. Yeah, kind we of like what really, we were
2: talking about. We
1: were really tight with the forest service, and they locked lock gates for us, and they'd run people off and really took care of us. Mm. And uh, we had that mine for quite a while. There was a, there was a treasure in there that was worth $500 million. What is it? Gold bars. In the mine somewhere? In, in the mine. Have you gone into it looking for it? We, we've actually seen it by using modern technology— and we knew exactly where it was. And well, to make a long story short, I was screwed out of it huh. by a partner. Wow. And he got in there and got about 200 million of it.
0: You're kidding me. Oh. This is just like Indiana Jones where you stand on one side, throw me the idol, I'll throw you the whip. <laughs>
1: yeah. You threw him the whip and he ran away. And what's neat about this mine, there's a shaft we call the glory hole. And guess what was found in the bottom of that? What? A 641 Roman coin. 80. Now, think about that. How did okay. that Roman coin get right.
0: all the way down inside that? 40, mine?
1: Uh, 85 feet down the bottom of the glory hole. How did yeah. that get there? So,
0: so not, but did you say, how did it get there? And how did there's a lot of questions <laughs> yeah, that stem from
1: this, thing. okay? Uh, there's a, there, I don't know if you guys uh, remember uh, who was the guy that uh, done all the uranium in uh, Moab? Charlie Steen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, Charlie Steen was a re- uranium king in Utah. Well, he had an engineer that Dale Rhodes knew. My partner knew. We brought him up. He was quite old. Brought him up to the mine. And he went into the regular mine tunnels and inspected the timbers and everything. And he came out and he says, this is an ancient mine. He said, you know what those timbers are in there made of?" I said, well, they're not pine and they're not quakey. He said, no, they're they're mountain mahogany. He said, these are huge. He said, this is ancient. Hmm. He says, mountain mahogany disappeared hundreds and hundreds of years wow. ago. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. How did those get there, wow. too? yeah, yeah,
0: Hundreds of years before that. <laughs> Let me ask you a quick question. So when you're talking, and, and just to kind of uh, uh, wrap up or encapsulate the Spanish connection here, why were the Spaniards coming up to Utah? And is this a mine where they found gold in the mountains, or they deposited their Spanish gold as if they're hiding it at the end of this mine?
1: There, there It was rich in gold and silver.
0: The mine was?
1: Yes. The, okay. the area was, I gotcha. Say, yes. And the reason they came up north is because uh you know a lot of people think that escalante and all those guys came across and never ventured north you know escalante and dominguez came looking for gold right because they knew there's gold in their hills right they they were out exploring (laughs) okay two frenchmen with them who were businessmen who were looking for gold Mm -hmm. yeah so they reported all that back to, to mexico and pretty soon the governor of mexico started sending expeditions north to find mineral wealth Wow. And they've seen all the Utes or the Utes with all this Indians. Old trinkets yeah. and stuff. Unfortunately, they they kill them in order to get the information. Mm-hmm. Well, I had all that information right from the archives of the Indies. They still rejected it.
0: Hmm. They refused I, to, I,
1: yeah, uh, to I believe had arch- it. I had a, a geologist from the University of Utah come up there, and he went down into the glory hole. I spent two hours down there, come up, and he had a, a beautiful sample of gold with quartz. And he says, you know, he says, as a geologist, I was taught there was no gold in in us. He says, well, right there proves that they were wrong. Yeah. He says, can I keep this simple? Yeah. I says, only if you tell him, if you talk about it in the book. Mm-hmm. And I wrote that in The Men of Gold. And so he, he was astounded that there was that much silver and gold in there. Mm. Yeah, well, well, you job. know,
2: Steve, I, it wasn't too long ago. I was actually watching a program. Chris, this is a good topic, too. I was watching a program. I can't remember what it was, National Geographic or whatever it was, but they got a couple geologists that, that said they knew Utah very well. They knew the U.N. and mountains very well. And according to them, according to this program, there's no way that there would have been Spanish mines up there, they say, mm-hmm. because geologically— it doesn't show that there's gold and silver. Not enough to, to make the Spanish come up here is what the program was saying. They were saying maybe down the foothills, maybe way down in the Uintas at the bottom there. There might have been a little bit. But again, that just kind of shows the narrow-minded thought, sure, I sure, guess sure, you sure. could say. Uh, here here you got someone like Steve who has spent most of his life up in those mountains trying to well, not only... Trying to prove it, but finding the evidence himself. Actually But then proving you got these it, yeah. professionals that have, I guess you can say, uh, a more credibility that are just stomping on that mm-hmm. by saying, no, there, there's no gold. There's no silver there, you know. And so there, there's a lot of things like that that are fighting people like us
0: well yeah and, and and moving on from, from the gold in the hills what are some of the other artifacts and some of the other expeditions that you guys have been on looking for uh steve well
1: um I, if anything comes up i'm on it mm-hmm. it sounds yeah. good um there's been stuff that's come my way that uh, pertains more to the outlaws the wild bunch <laughs> other outlaws that came in, in and out of utah that buried things you know and a lot of it believe it or not was spanish gold coins Hmm. That was a big thing. Yeah, and uh, I went north one time, but a, a woman called me and wanted me to go to Browns Park, still in Utah. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. where the Wild Bunch used to hang out. Wild Bunch, including Butch Cassidy,
0: which is why we're here. We'll talk Day about and, Butch. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and all
1: those people. Kid <laughs> and, Keddie, the vodka, right there. <laughs> Kid, sorry, Kid <laughs> oh, Curry. Yeah, you, oh yeah, you get <laughs> Kid right Curry way, vodka. Yeah. So anyway, I went up there, and this woman was the daughter of a, a man and woman used to camp up there all the time and and do a lot of prospecting. Mm-hmm. Well, her father said that he found, he, he had a, a paper or a document telling about a stash of silver coins with a little bit of gold buried up there around Browns Park. It was buried by one of the members of the Wild Bunch. And so he said, i got to find this big white rock, and I roll it over, and the inscription should be on it telling me that's where it is. She said, well, he spent one summer up there, didn't find nothing. They pulled an old Airstream trailer up there. And uh, they went up there and and uh, camped and camped and, and he'd go out with a white mule and uh, hunt for this rock. And if you know Browns Park, there's lots of rocks. So one day she said he came back and he was so excited. He says, "I found it! I found it!" He says, it's there." He says, "I got to get the truck and go get this." Silver's a lot of it. Get in the truck. All of a sudden, he grabbed his chest, died of a heart attack. Ooh. Hmm. So his wife didn't have an idea where he was at. So anyway, after the funeral and after about a year, the family went up because they figured he rolled the rock over. Mm-hmm. They never found it. And I went up there before I had any really any instruments other than a metal detector. And uh, she says, you "Think you can find this?" And I'm looking across that area and I'm saying, "No." <laughs> <You> <laughs> <know. It's, laughs> easier says, said well, than done. She says, "Well, according to the paper." And I said, "Where's the paper? Where's it?" And she says, "I don't know now. I don't know what happened to it." a map and stuff and it's supposed to have been a big cache that the wild bunch deposited up there so I made two or three more trips just sort of dinking around you know just looking and you know you'd have to have some real serious like luck yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Lock or some kind of a magic potion to, to find it. And so that was one of them, and, a, and another one I—, I So you went, never did find it? No, I gave up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, now that we have more uh, instruments, we probably could maybe make a stab at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also went looking for a Spanish cache in Erda, Utah, which is on the south end of uh, Great Salt Lake. There was a house being torn down in Erda, which is by Kennecott, and one of the, one of the uh, gentlemen that was doing the demolition— took a big painting off the wall. It was left in the house, and he, he was thrown in the trash, and on the back of it was an envelope. It was all yellowed and everything, and he and he took it off and opened it up, and it said, Sundance, meet me at Stockton. There we'll get the cash, signed Butch. Oh Wow, a letter from awesome. Butch Cassidy I, to got the got Sundance that. Kid. That and that's a real letter, yeah. yeah. And so, boogie man, I'm out. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm down in Stockton saying, okay, where in the hell is this thing? You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, there's all kinds of mines and mountains, you know. I mean, you get stuck in any mine out there. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah. And I'm just sitting there in awe going, oh, okay, which way do I go from here? <laughs> you could get lost forever in one of those mines, they, right? It shows right there. They were even out in that country. Hmm. And so, that was another one I would. I tried to chase but i kind of like going blindfolded because mm-hmm. i really didn't have yeah. much more than that you know right so, right, right so that's just sort of the kind of stuff yeah you know
2: i was going to say recently too. uh the team treasures in america
0: yeah this uh, is your this is your kind of all-star treasure hunting team yeah, yeah yeah and
2: you know it's kind of weird too because you know steve's my mentor that's another story steve's my mentor and i i nest i didn't necessarily branch off of him i just started doing my my own thing things mm-hmm. that he taught me so i'm like okay i'm gonna go you know and so i ended up forming my own team and 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 of course you know if I have my own team I got to keep my mentor <laughs> yeah. around too you know and so anyways recently we have been working on some pretty big projects with Steve's help as well all the way down to Ecuador you know th- th- there's a lost uh, underground city I can't say too much about it right now because we're actually uh, uh, working with other people on this right mm. now but I can tell you that it's something that would change history as we know it you're talking about a lost city buried under the ground yeah, or something along those lines we're talking about a lost city that's in the caving system wow. it, it's supposed to be holding significant history that would change the way that we all think Mm. and and there's you know there's different kind of things that some people talk about they were giants they they could have been seven eight foot tall type of ancient people that we don't know exactly who they are um it's talked that you know some people down there have gone into these cave systems and claiming that they're finding gold treasure you know things like that so the evidence is there we have we have the location so that's like i said i wish i can go more into that story i i just can't at this point but that's just one of them and there's another one that's over by the um uh let, let's say central america I, I can tell you that it's in central america and um we were approached by actually i didn't even know that i had friends like this but when when people find out what we do It Mm. it usually, people go, oh, I didn't know you did that. Hey, I got a story
0: for you, you know? Because there's not a lot of people that do this, so I'm sure there's there's people who are looking for somebody to tell their stories to. And we're also
2: secretive, too. So we don't, it's not like, you know, I live in a small town, a population Mm. of 420. I bet 10 of them Mm. might know what I do, if that makes sense, (laughs) you know? So anyways, uh, when they find out, I had this uh, lady who grew up in this little village, and she explained
0: to me. In Central America.
2: Yeah, in Central America. And she explained to me that the way that her culture their their story goes is when cortez took over the aztecs a lot of the tribes in that area started fleeing they heard about cortez taking over these mighty aztec people in just a small amount of time and they wanted to get out of the way they didn't want cortez coming after them so they relocated their village they picked up for where they lived for hundreds and hundreds of years and they traveled to a a new place and they ended up landing at this one place thinking that they're going to be free of cortez right they're way off on cortez not going to come here there's nothing here for him to want right well within a few days Uh, the tribe people and kids were walking around their new land and they started finding bracelets made of gold. They started finding necklaces. They started finding pottery. They started finding statues and stuff like that. And as they started looking more and more they realized that that there is a whole hidden city buried underneath the dirt. And they were starting to find the tops of the structures and columns and stuff like that. So even still today, Chris, this is what's exciting about this story. I can't tell you too much more about this one either. But I can tell you this. Even still today, they have not told their own country or government about what they are sitting on because they're afraid of their country and government taking their lands away. Mm -hmm. They told us that if we can get on a TV show, if we can make it public, They have no problem and tell us exactly where it is, letting us and the camera guys go in there with a major network and, and start uncovering these major structures, these mm. columns and, you know, these tombs. We, there has to be tombs there is what we're thinking. Oh, of course. And, and, you know, I had her go down there a couple weeks ago. I said, I need proof. I need proof of this because I'm talking to producers and stuff as we speak right now. I need proof that, that if, if I tell these guys, you know, hey, yeah, we're definitely going to find something. It's going to change history and it's going to be a huge treasure. I need proof. So she comes back after being there for one week with video off of her cell phone that shows her walking and she walks 10 steps and she goes down and she picks up a bracelet full of gold and she walks another 20 steps and she picks up this little artifact that that I, it looked like it might have been made out of clay i'm not sure and i'm these artifacts and this stuff that i'm looking at are hundreds and hundreds of years old and then i had her go talk to her village uh they call him like the governor i guess now yeah like the, 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 the Shang right, right. or whatever yeah and he said the same thing he goes you know we will let you guys tear this place apart and we're actually for almost 500 years our people have wondered what's underneath that dirt and we would love to let you guys come in and dig and look for it
0: mm. um let me ask you guys this and not talking about specifics yeah. but but you're talking about a lost city or hidden city
1: why would there be a city built underground or was it something that sunk no let, what, what? Me, let me explain that to you it's please a giant limestone cave and uh, a friend of mine emmanuel polesco is an archaeologist lives in ecuador and uh, he's the one that brought me in, involved in this thing um it's uh the cave is actually well known uh, but we won't reveal the name yeah you know but but inside that now there's been two men that ascended that cave and came out with artifacts that will blow your mind yeah and if you go and look at a website called uh father crespi you'll see some of those artifacts yeah uh-huh. and i have many photographs of them i put them in uh, some of my my writings and but a new book that's going to come out this fall has a lot of those Artifacts in it, but they're made out of gold and silver. Uh, they 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 go they date back uh, to the biblical times, the Babylonian times. A lot of them come from uh, Eurasia. Uh, they came from Iran, Iraq, and they're found in South America. And also in this cave was found these giant books of gold. Yeah, the,
0: the one man could books, books of gold. Books
1: and and the gold leaves will flip open and there's ancient writing on these, on and, these leaves.
2: Like and, what he said, they're so large that one man cannot lift them and, and take them off the shelf and put them on the ground or pick them back up and put them on the wow. shelf. He,
1: he pulled them off, the, uh, the one guy pulled it off and opened them up. And also there was, a, there was a seven foot replica or it could have been a real skeleton of a man purely gilded in gold, laying on a crystal bed. So his skeleton was covered in gold? His, his skeleton was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, I mean, many, many other things that are so strange. Yeah. And, and the strangest thing about this called so-called... It's not really... It's called the... You know, it could be a golden library type thing. But it's so massive that you can't walk it in two days. And what's really amazing is it's illuminated by different sheets of mica and gold that reflect mm. all the way down into the cave. Really? On the outside. And so... Uh, my friend is all excited about having us come down there and actually do an expedition uh, into the caves and see what we can find with the equipment we have. And of course, the uh, Ecuadorian government with the soldiers would have to be with us. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if we ever got anything out of it; I just like to see it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with that. But There's that's a-, a massive treasure. It's a big. But, but treasure. once again, why are they building cities that are underground? Sacred 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 the religious reasons that and yes and they're sacred to them and the and the natives of the area and so everything that was sacred even like the incas and the aztecs they went underground because there's so many limestone caves oh i see yeah Yeah, yeah. up in uh in some parts of south america under the uh, under the andes uh there's been reports of men going into these limestone caves and travel up to 100 miles. Yeah,
2: they're supposed to be massive under, caves.
1: Under wow. Landies, yeah, they, they go on and on and on and on. And it's just yeah. amazing. Yo, absolutely. So, just yeah, the concept of it. I mean, it's not here in Utah. It's everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah, for yeah sure, it's, of course, it's
2: everywhere. And, that, and that's what we're trying to expand to, uh, not just Utah, not just Arizona, New Mexico. We're trying to actually go all over the place, trying to
0: learn as much as we can around the world. All right. There are some seriously talented luchadores in AEW, and not all of them speak English, which can make putting together matches a little challenging sometimes. That's why I signed up for Rosetta Stone. I'm learning Spanish, amigos, eh, amigas. See, already learning. Ha-ha, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. You don't even have to learn Spanish, though, because Rosetta Stone has 25 languages, including French, German, Korean, Arabic, and Polish, and Japanese. That's what I'm going to do next. I spent a lot of time in Japan, and I still work with a lot of Japanese wrestlers at AEW, like Takeshita. So having a better handle on the language will definitely show in the ring. Communication is key. And learning Spanish on Rosetta Stone has been so fun and easy. They've got this true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. Sort of like having a personal trainer for your accent. I'm using the app, but you can also do the lessons on desktop or laptop. I also like that I can download the lessons and do them offline, which is perfect for a plane. I can sit there on a flight and work on my Espanol. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Talk as Jericho listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Jericho. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Jericho today. That's rosettastone.com slash Jericho. Do it today. Hey, this is Chris Jericho inviting you to the first ever rock and wrestling rager at sea. Picture this. Rock and roll, wrestling, comedy, live podcasting, all on the open ocean from October 27th to the 31st, 2018, from Miami to Nassau. I'm bringing Hall of Fame wrestlers, some of the greatest rock and roll bands on the planet, and putting the first wrestling ring on a cruise ship ever. Don't be a stupid idiot. Make the list. Check us out at ChrisJerichoCruise.com this this is talk is Jericho so when you guys are looking for for treasure like what, what are some signs well, in general that you would
1: be first be thing looking I, for? I taught people is when you're out looking look for what's not natural Anything is doesn't look natural, check it out. Yeah. If you're just going freelancing. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you're going to be looking for a Pacific treasure, make sure you do all your homework.
0: Well, for, first of all, see, before we move on, what do you mean something that's not natural? Like, give me an example.
1: Well, for instance, if you see rocks out of place that look like they're stacked after years of experience you get to know
2: exactly well put it this way have you ever seen nature make perfect circles have you ever seen nature make perfect 90 degree angles or you know Mm -hmm, certain things like that um and, and you know what and that's what gave me the when steve explained that to me many many years ago i was doing the freelancing thing as well to where i and you know he makes another good point freelancing when he says freelancing that doesn't just mean like hey chris me and you why don't we go ahead and leave the hotel room and you know just go walk we'll mm, find something mm. right no 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 you got to you got to do your homework you got to at least be in the right area and once once you know you're in the right area because you've done your homework you've done your research then from there you still there's still many clues to find so that's what he's saying look for something that's unnatural because everything that we're looking for was man-made right mm-hmm. so if man made it it's going to stick out from what nature made
1: mm. and it could even be distorted by weather time or whatever yeah. but still you got to learn to have that eye and it it's not something you just do it takes years to master that yeah
0: sure yeah and, yeah. and
1: it, it helps to be a, a a geologist and a paleontologist at the same time because <laughs> yeah. everything factors in yeah you know and so you want to do your research and one thing i've learned let's say my research ends and i can't go any further well i don't throw it away i put it in a file yep and i wait and believe it or not sometimes it's been like 10 maybe 15 years later i get another little yeah. Mm. Something comes and, up. And so you never give it up. Uh, and so uh, the main thing is to do is that one thing you got to have is an open mind. I agree. It's an open mind. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because once again,
0: you're looking for something that most people think doesn't exist. Right, right. right? Or, 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 or there's no yeah. way there's an underground city or Spanish reason. gold.
2: Yeah, and that might be part of the reason. I don't know. I haven't even admitted this to myself, but maybe that's part of the reason why we're also somewhat secretive. You know, it, 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 I, I know me and Steve have been in restaurants. We'll let's say me and Steve are going after a treasure hunt, and that morning we go in to have breakfast. We start talking. Oh man! We, we, within twenty minutes, you can get the whole restaurant to get quiet, and people are kind of like, <laughs> yeah, "What are sure, they talking sure, about?" Sure.
1: Right? Dale right? Rhodes and I was like, in you and him, in, the, in Roosevelt. We even had convoys of cars trying to follow us. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure, of course, yes, right? We, we've
0: had people follow
2: us, and, and and you have to like ditch them mm-hmm. out in the mountains. Do you know what? I, mean? I can't
1: lay a mining claim anymore because once my name's out. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Not surround me, to surround me, so I don't even do that
0: yeah. anymore. Let me ask you a quick question. If so you mentioned paleontology. Obviously, it's the, this, the study of dinosaurs. You said
1: it helps to be a paleontologist. Why is that? Well, because, you know, that'll tell you what type of land, a uh, type of uh, uh, structure you're going to be around, do, mm. you know, seeing and looking. It's like a geologist. See, the paleontology and geology really should be hand-in-hand hand because that'll tell you what's there. If you're looking for a mine or something like that that's, that's uh, that maybe don't have a treasure in it, you've got to learn to know the lay of the land. Hmm. I mean, if you're looking for, let's say somebody says there's a gold mine right over on this hill. Well, you can look at that hill and say, no, there's not. Right. Because it, there's, the structure's wrong. Hmm.
0: Wow.
1: Uh, there, there's certain, now if you, believe it or not though, if you find fossils, you'll find, usually find gold. Why? Because, I mean, nobody knows. Huh. Um, the same uh, with rich the, dinosaurs. the
2: seashells, too, yeah, right? Seashells. <laughs> seashells.
1: We, we were finding
2: seashells, well, like his Hoy Peak that he was talking about. I took my team up there last summer, and at 10,000 feet in elevation, we're finding ancient seashells. Wow. Yeah. How? Uh, you yeah. know, they were right there, right on the ground. It's, it's like from volcanoes yeah.
1: in the sea or something? Uh, I, or, yeah, well, it was well, raised up anciently. Mm-hmm. I found clamshells this big. Yeah. Up, wow. At, at 10,000 feet. Yeah. Well, yeah
0: like big clamshells. Yeah.
1: And like
2: and, what he said, after uh, all these years, it's
1: just raised up. Coral up there there. Hmm. I, I was doing a cut across the mountain to expose a vein with a cat, and I went down and start checking to see if I could expose a vein, and I'm looking down and my hell, Black horn coral. So there was a coral reef up there, well, down there at one time. So you're saying this was all underwater at some point? Yeah, because... At you know, one point, it, yeah. Of course, the mountain wasn't there. It yeah, yeah, up. sure. But it shows you how old they are. Yeah. Right? right. And so those things are good, because that tells you that there's probably mineral there. Or if you find a bare spot in a forest where nothing's growing, heavily mineralized. Yeah. And the Spanish Mm. used to do that, and they'd wait for a blue moon. The word blue moon meant that there was a certain time of the year where there's a blue moon where the aura comes up out of the earth and they could find gold they could mm. actually see it certainly really? moonlighting yeah.
2: i haven't seen it myself chris but i have I heard
1: have.
0: it from several you've seen it yeah, yeah. i was saying heard. okay so steve you're saying when the when, when there's a full moon
1: well it's called the blue moon it's um, in the fall okay and when you see that blue moon and you go out in the night and you watch different areas and if you have the eye, you can actually see the aura. Really? Yes. Wow. Well, let me tell you a story. Please do. A Mexican do. <laughs> kid got a hold of me. A Mexican kid? And he says, hey, he says, uh, his name is uh, Ruben Morales. He says, hey, Steve, he says, uh, do you believe in ghosts? And I says, well, I know there's ghosts. I don't know if I believe in them, but I know there's ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> he says, well, you know, there's a treasure down by my, uh, by my ancient homeland down in uh, El Dorado. And he said, the "Spanish so the people would come when the Span when the Spaniards would come. The Indians would go throw all their artifacts and stuff it into the into these ponds, so the Spanish wouldn't wouldn't rob oh, their, their yeah. churches and stuff." Right. And he says, "In years later, those ponds would dry up." And he says, "And people come back to look for their artifacts." And he says, uh, we, "They couldn't find them." And he says, "But you know what you have to do?" And I says, "What? You have to watch the barking dog." I said, well, what does that mean? He says, well, if you see a little dog barking just at nothing, as you get down on your hands and knees at his level, and look, and you'll see the ghost spirits coming in now out of the ground where those treasures are. And you go to those spots and dig it, and there your treasure is. Hmm. Did <laughs> you in- try it?
2: Interesting story.
1: No, <laughs> like no.
0: No, but you, but you also mentioned you just. I just heard you say El Dorado. No, isn't like that the 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 mythical city of gold? Yeah, yeah the one that's down in South uh, South America. Is there actually an oh, El
1: Dorado? Actually, well, uh, Mexico. Yeah, uh, in, Mexico. Yeah, Mexico. Is that a, oh. if so, has somebody found El Dorado? Well, they lost El Dorado. They lost it. Yeah, and it's a it's a major. It's another one of those underground caverns. How do you lose it? Well, they just cover it up and forget where it was. Well, it's kind of like that city
2: that I was trying to tell you about in Central America, right? You know, that wasn't actually an underground city, um, according to what I'm hearing, what they're telling me. It was it was structures on top of the ground, but after all these years, it's below a big mountain range. And after all these years uh, the, in that area, the monsoon season comes and it rains for five months straight. Well, guess what happens to that city after all these thousands
0: it starts of starts to shift it's and just move, buried. And, mm-hmm.
2: and, and um, that's another thing that I forgot to mention about that city this city every time the monsoon season stops this village goes and takes mud dirt whatever they can find and they cover it back up because they don't want anybody to know that hmm. it's there so so there are the lost cities the underground cities there, there's all kinds of stuff, stuff. out there uh-
0: Let's yeah. talk about what what we're doing out here as far as uh, Butch sure. Cassidy and, and his hidden hidden treasures and hidden gold and all this other stuff. Let's talk a little bit about, about, about Butch himself because in Utah, Butch Cassidy is probably the most famous, legendary, iconic you know outlaw figure that the, that there could be. Tell us a little bit about, about Butch and what you guys know about him.
1: Well, wow. you know, I I started uh, doing a little research on Butch uh, back in the seventies, mm-hmm. and uh, I've always been a fan of Butch Cassidy because. He was so good to a lot of the Ute Indians; uh, they trusted him, they hit him, they uh, they liked him because he always shared.
0: And that's what a lot of people yeah. are saying about Butch is that he, he, he never killed anybody, uh, as far as we know. He wasn't a, not a cold,
1: not <laughs> a cold, not a cold-blooded killer like some
2: of the other outlaws were. Yeah. Right. And also, and the people in his gang were not quite as refined
0: as Butch Cassidy, I guess you can say.
2: And right. also gave back a lot
0: to, like you mentioned, the Indians yeah. or yeah. poor poor people well, that sort of he, thing. Even
2: one of the guys on my team, Sean, mm-hmm. his. Uh, uh, let me see if I can get this story straight. I think it would have been his, let's say his grandfather. It was something like that, or what, his great-uncle or whatever, said that he had a ranch between here and um, Price. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that at his ranch, he had tons of horses. And Budge Cassidy would come in when he needed a horse to say he's running away from the law or whatever it is, he would come up to this ranch, he would take a couple horses and leave a couple gold coins oh. there for him. <laughs> and so, I mean, uh, that kind of shows the character of Budge Cassidy. And I, I think me and you kind of touched base on it a little bit uh, yesterday that even though that, yeah, he, he was an outlaw. He was out robbing payroll trains. You know, he was robbing the banks. I, From my research, it, it, the towns that he grew up in, his neighbors, his family, his friends, he didn't rob from them. And mm. he took care of them in the way of if he needed something, he would pay him
1: back.
0: Mm.
1: Um, uh, yeah, and I, I started following him. I went and visited his sister, Lula, mm-hmm. down in Circleville uh back in the 70s before she died and uh i was down there with uh, gail rhodes and and robert redford and we'd done some interviews with her and and she told us quite a bit of, about so the, was like, robert Redford interested
0: in the history of butch cassidy obviously butch cassidy and he his money. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so at the time he was looking into it <laughs> yeah he he'd done a he wrote a book yeah okay about it, and then uh you know he's doing the movie he's mm-hmm. doing research for the movie so anyway uh, uh, she told us about Butch and and how he rode into town when when her mother died, and with his with the wild bunch and the county sheriff and and the marshal wouldn't do anything with him and they they just let him ride. Oh, okay. Down. And, and that was the last time she'd seen him alive. And she talked about how he would help people in the in the communities that were poor. Hmm. And uh, and she told me a story about one time he went up through Brown's Park again and they stopped at one of the ranches up there to get something to eat to trade horses. And they always traded horses with people. And uh, a bunch had taken on a young man and she couldn't remember his name as one of the members of the bunch, you know, and a young guy. And she said, uh, it was common for them after they ate was to put a gold coin under the plate, turn the plate upside down and then leave. So there was six of them at this particular table. So that was six coins. that people were going to get. Well, anyway, they got through, and they went out to get on the horses, and this young guy comes out, and she said, Butch looked at him, and he said, he, uh, she, this is what, she, this is what uh, uh, Matt Warner told her years later, but anyway, uh, the guy looked like he was suspicious, or looked kind of shaky, or something was wrong, so Butch walked up to him, and he says, and he, just like he knew, he said, what'd you do? What do you mean? He said, empty your pockets. He his pockets and there's all those gold coins. Mm. So Butch made him go in and put the gold coins back <laughs> under the plates and then his cut of the heist they just had. Then he pistol whipped him, put him on his horse, on his belly, tied him, underneath the saddle and beat the horse and the way it went and whatever happened to him nobody knows so he's tied underneath the horse's well, he's belly like this on his belly yeah. on the saddle and then they tied him underneath these handies oh i see and then the horse just goes most yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, so wow. likely he never made it <laughs> yeah. he never cheated anybody out of anything right yeah uh, he hated the government and hated railroads Hmm.
0: Yeah, isn't of course, a, isn't of course
1: a, it, Bush never did go to South America and die there because that's the that was the
0: historical rumor or whatever that he right. went to Bolivia and that he shot the Sundance
1: Kid who was dying and then shot himself. Right. Yeah, and you don't that, buy that, no, uh, because let me tell you about that. Uh, he moved to Washington State, and, uh, and I met a lady that wrote a book on him uh, and had all these photos of when he got when he got uh, when he got to Washington State to work as a railroad agent. Butch Cassidy died in Promp, Nevada. And he had a, a name and a number, a name on his person that was Lula Benson, his sister. And so the undertaker got a hold of her, and they shipped his body home and buried him in an undisclosed location near the old homestead in Circleville. Hmm. Now the Sundance Kid was actually William Long; that was his real name, and he took the name of Harry Longbrow from the guy actually named Harry Longbrow hmm. who lived in Montana. And then he took on the name of Sundance Kid, but it was William long Mm -hmm. uh he he went straight and went and lived in duchene on a ranch duchene utah in the meantime matt warner became he was one of the wild bunch matt warner he was a bad dude Mm -hmm. he became uh uh, born again born again and became a sheriff of price (laughs) well there was a there was still a marker on william long's head because they people knew some people knew he's still alive well, Matt Warner, knowing that he could make a hunk of change by bringing in a real Sundance and proved that he never went to South America, went after him up in Duchesne. William Long put up a fight. Matt Warner killed him. And he's buried. Uh, Sonnyette's kid is buried in the Duchesne City Cemetery.
0: Wow. So his own gang member yeah. turned on yeah, him. Yeah.
1: His great-great-grandniece is my wife's first cousin. Hmm. And, and so there's a connection there. Mm-hmm. And so uh butch cast the story of bush casting sundance kid is not like the movie
0: mm-hmm. you know it rarely is right yeah
1: and so um it was really neat to, to learn all that you know? well sure yeah, but
0: yeah. let's talk about yesterday when we were kind of you know we're, we're kind of searching to see what we can find and some of the clues and yesterday when we went on the outlaw trail which is in the middle of nowhere right. and we kind of uh let's talk a little about the castle gate robbery sure. and what took them to the outlaw trail and what where we ended up yesterday
2: well, you know the the Castlegate robbery. Uh, that that was a very interesting one, and for sure. You know, I started doing the research. I found that they were hiding out. At the robbers' roost for six months
0: before they even went for that robbery, because Butch was very meticulous in putting together his 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 oh. heists. He was very strategic in what he did and had everything organized, right? Right. So yeah. they're ha- they're hiding up for six months at robbers' roost, planning, the
2: winter planning, and it even talks about how they went to the area to where the trains were. They they literally trained their horses for like four of those six months, if that makes sense. Trained their horses. They took their horses to the train station where they were going to do the robbery. That way, they can get the horses trained to the uh, the train whistle. I yeah, they'd even say. run them
1: against uh, alongside trains. Yeah, They're just so they trains. wouldn't be spooked by the sound of the train right. whistle. Taught them well, how to, Taught them how once they, the rider dismounted, the horses stop instead of running off. Yeah, wow. Well,
0: imagine if you're
2: Budge Cassidy in the gang and you have a normal horse that you get off of it, you go and do your robbery. The train blows the whistle and your horses are gone. Right. Now yeah. you're surrounded by all you these lost men. Your getaway car. You help. just stole their payroll. Yeah, and, you know they pull out their guns and you know you're, you're sitting
0: duck, right? Because that's because that's what the Castlegate robbery was. They robbed a Rob. payroll office in the middle of the day in broad, broad daylight, daylight right? broad daylight around the actual miners hmm. that were waiting for their paycheck
2: hmm. so if you can imagine it's like me us sitting here in this room right now we're sitting here going okay our paychecks coming any minute now the train's gonna come in any minute we're gonna get paid right and all of a sudden in broad daylight you see butch cassidy and uh you know his gang coming in and doing this robbery in, in broad daylight and so they it even talks about you know in, in in the couple accounts that i found it talks about they took that in consideration. What if some of these
1: miners have guns on them? What
2: mm-hmm. if they end up
1: going against us? So it was have... uh, total confusion. Uh, yeah. Once they robbed them, everybody was going, ah, what's going on? They yeah. made their getaway. Because that's why they did it in broad daylight, because right. no one would expect it.
2: Yeah, no, exactly. It was actually, I don't know if it was stupidity or brilliant. It ended up working, but if you think about it, even still today, when something happens in a major city, you know, I was born and raised in Phoenix, Arizona uh, back in the 80s and 90s. Uh, here's one example. Things would happen in broad daylight. You would you would be driving down the street and you would all sudden, in broad daylight look, and you would see these gang bangers with guns starting to shoot at mm-hmm. each other. And everybody would just sit there and just go, Whoa,
0: you couldn't believe
2: it. Yeah. yeah. You, you don't know what's going on. So I think that's what they had. Yeah, total on, confusion. On and, and how much yeah. did they steal? uh we're 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 here well, around 8 8000 8, 8, yeah
1: about $8000 in gold and a little bit of silver some bars and some and what would horses. that be equivalent in 2017 uh, money probably about a quarter, quarter
0: million. Million. <laughs> a million dollars yeah. okay yeah, so yeah. they get this payroll of a quarter million dollars basically rob it, rob it from the train in, in broad daylight right. jump on their horses and split
2: yeah and here here's another cool thing about that too so here's another thing think about horses being the same thing as NASCAR NASCAR's are built to be the same right they can't put a V4 engine in one NASCAR and put a V8 in another one. They're all supposed to be built to be pretty much the same. Now, they can do things to, to you know, lower to the ground and stuff like that. You know, things to make it a little bit faster. Horses are the same way. There are some that are a little bit faster than others, but no, no matter what, when you're running them full speed out in terrain like this, they're going to get tired. They're going to mm-hmm. get thirsty. You know, you can only go so far. So Butch Cassidy and his gang, Butch Cassidy was great at horses. He was a great horseman, great cattleman. And what they did is they, they did relays. Think about a relay race today to where you're running, you're giving it all you got, and then you pass it on to another person and that person gives it all they got. And they just keep going on that relay. Right. Well, that's what they did with the horses. Mm -hmm. They knew that the posse was going to be behind them. They knew that the horses all at one time, you know, I guess you could say within 10 minutes or whatever, they're all going to get tired at the same Mm -hmm. time. Now, now what are you going to do? You know, you're all your, your horses down on the ground. You know, what are you going to do? So they they ended up staging horses. Wow. And they they practiced it. They'd have them posted every mile or whatever, a bunch of horses hanging around. During that six months, they practiced. How far are these horses going to be able to Mm. run until they get tuckered out, you know? And then they would have a man sitting there at that tree or whatever with a new, fresh set of horses so they can keep going. So the sheriffs and the posse and everybody that was behind them would get further and further (laughs) and further behind while they're still going. Right. And, and, And that's what what makes this area so grand because and, and it's, it's genius because not only now are they so far away from the posse that's after them they're also coming into a territory that's almost impossible to find anybody mm-hmm. as soon as they get in this area there's with is all nothing this, out there there's yeah. a
0: million places to hide
2: yeah yeah and you know there's slot canyons everywhere the, the
1: terrain out here i mean you could you could literally find a little overhang and disappear for yeah i've been in be those slot here. canyons and i got lost hmm. i mean really um they're amazing because, and the good thing is, they're full of water and grass. Yeah. So you can stay in there for months, and your horses never, you That's all you never need, get you need, right? You always have food because there's also deer, and there's rabbits yep. and game. And so up from the top, you're looking out there and saying, there's nothing out there. Right. Until you get there. Yeah. And then it's miles of, of great like places. That's where we were
0: yesterday. We went to... Uh, um, a dry riverbed which at the time if there was a river there was the, it was like a little fortress yeah. you could have a lookout on top no one could see you're like in a little secluded area and uh, we actually found uh, the the name of Butch Cassidy written on the rock wall yeah the inscription uh, there, yeah. inscription, and, and, and that would be written with, with with the axle grease axle grease
2: and that's something that they would have had you know even where, where I'm from St. George there's a place called Snow Canyon and the LDS Pioneers when they settle into that area they happen they have axle grease on them and you know what they did they found this really pretty area it was red rock you know today it's made into a state park well you know as they're camping there they look at this pretty red rock and they want to leave their name so they used axle grease and that dates back from 1860s 1870s all the way to yeah, the early the 1900s
1: people always carried to axle grease with them because mm-hmm. they you know might have a flat wheel yeah, right, yeah <laughs> right, right so that's what they would use to paint on <laughs> yeah. it because it almost made it look like a brand and it was yeah um, what happens is i've seen a lot of uh examples of axle grease on different places in utah and what happens is where the axle grease is doesn't erode yeah but everything around it does so mm. pretty soon the axle grease inscription is is it's sticking it's, out yeah it's almost yeah. sticking out yeah, yeah it's so,
2: kind of like we saw that oil based yeah, on remember so, we were know, looking it at slip, that last
1: forever mm, yeah did, yeah you know, that's hundreds of years yeah, almost yep. you know over a hundred so years if you see that type of inscription right away you say hey that dates back to the 1800s at least mm-hmm. And We can yeah. see that. So, it, do
0: you it, think that there's a chance? And you mentioned this yesterday, Stephen. Tell us again that the that that gold and that treasure is still out there because no one really ever found it.
1: Well, what you know, there's a lot of rumors. Yeah, they split the gold up and went this way and that way. But according to some of my real good sources, uh, they took the they took that gold and they hid it uh, in the roof somewhere because they they wanted to wait until everything was cool and then we're going to take it to Mexico and sell it. Mm-hmm. Well, that never happened. And uh, so they never had the chance. There's a real possibility there could be something there. Maybe not. Yeah. but, you know, it's a possibility.
0: I think you were saying that even that Butch's sister believed that that the the entire uh, amount was still there.
1: Well, that's that's what she that's what she heard from some of the other outlaws. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, who knows you you don't know there's a possibility and, and you know
2: after doing the history of, of the wild bunch too when butch cassidy disappeared i guess you can say even even though the rest of the gang they kind of went off and did their own thing and i i was trying to look at that possibility too could the gold still be there did one of them come back for it did they even come back for it many many years later Sure, they might have, but when you do the history, you can see that some of these other wild bunch guys were getting picked off, and they, they I, some of them were killed. Some of, the, you know, they all kind of went on with their own life. They really, after Bunch Cassidy disappeared, it just does not really seem like, from what I found, that they were really.
1: Because well, son, it's doubtful that he told anybody where he stuck. Right. And because that, the
0: thing is, too, though, if you're stealing that much money, just like today, if we stole a quarter of a million dollars, it's not like we can just take it down to the roadhouse and spend it. Yeah. Like the, those gold bars were marked, were they not? Yeah. Be marked they by the to, bank. Some kind. Of, so they've got all this money, but nowhere to really spend it. So they would have to hide it until the heat went away or until they could take it to Mexico, like you said, and yeah. sell it there. And right. Get rid of it. Right. Exactly.
2: And, and so this is, again, a treasure hunting life, a process of elimination. We know that there's a possibility there could be gold there. Mm-hmm. So now what we need to do is go in there and look for it and okay. use the technology, use our knowledge, use our experience, and see if we can find it. And, and you know what? We might not find it today. We might not find it next year. We might not find it in five years but it's a process of elimination. And kind of like what Steve said, you never stop giving up. And there's no such thing as we checked everywhere. Right? There's no such thing as we have all the equipment that's available, and it's not here. You just got to keep looking for it.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. What are you pulling up there, Steve? Picture. Uh, what I'm showing, Chris, is some inscriptions made by the Wild Bunch. Oh, and you can see that. And it does look like the axle grease that we saw yesterday in your book that you got here. And yeah. so, you know, you've got to... Um, uh, to, to the layman you look at that and say oh somebody's just dinking off there was yeah yeah, yeah yeah but you That's can see the actual
0: is. codes. Yeah. Go ahead. They're, they're, they're secret uh, signs. One is a, uh, a little curve. Go ahead and go around a bend. Another one is a musical note. Saddlebags are hidden. So there's a lot of that sort of stuff, like right, secret code right. signs. So but, that but, whole
1: book is full of stuff like that. Of all the kind of inscriptions. Yeah. Stuff.
0: So last few questions. Has there ever been a time, we're talking about being a treasure hunter, an archaeologist, has there ever been a time when you've been in real, legit danger? <laughs> 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 wow. They both look at each other knowingly. <laughs>
2: well, you know, there's all different kinds of danger. I guess. Right.
0: Say, but uh,
2: yeah, when it comes to the Indiana Jones and the ball is chasing me down the the tunnel, (laughs) you know, from Raiders at the last start. No, I have not experienced that. But what we do, I mean, like with me and my team, I spend. I'll spend two to three months on each expedition just to go out just for a few days. And that's because of safety, because uh, I want to give you some juicy story saying that there's Indians out there still shooting aerials at us, but mm-hmm. that's today's world. You know, there there's danger. We, we got Sean, who's a climber. We gotta got to be careful that got, that, what, what's that? one of our team members is he's there, a climber. Sean, he's gotcha. A climber. Yeah. So we got to be careful. That is all of his gear. Right. You know, um, uh, you, you got, you Even got yesterday with out. all the, all the
0: rattlesnakes. Yeah. You know, yeah. the possibility. You, you, you got
2: all these different things and so um you know dehydration i know steve hit it a few years ago i hit there was that story i think i was telling you yesterday that i was out hiking i was doing a 10 mile hike and i mean i I thought i was gonna i thought i was dead i pretty much passed out right next to a stream you know i'm like water water i pass out when i come to i'm like i'm just gonna die i know i'm gonna die i can't drink this water because i'm gonna die if i drink it anyways you know (laughs) and then i look at my gps and i'm like Are you kidding me? I'm a, a half a mile away from my truck, and that gave me the motivation. I got up. I'm, I'm sick. cute. I'm Get up, asshole! You know? yeah, 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 exactly. And 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 it worked. But you know what? If I was three miles away from the truck, yeah, I really would have died. Yeah, you know, I knew yeah. that the water that I was sitting next to. It was a horrible stream. If I would have been drinking that, it it would have killed me.
1: Kitchen. Anyways, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, you, I have Steve? to tell you a story that that was really <laughs> kind of spooky? But I mean, I guess I was in an area. And I knew where this where there's some gold buried. And so I was in this area and I wanted to get this gold. Now here's what happened. My I had my wife drive my car and, and we had I had a buddy with me, an Indian, and they she dropped us off, then she took off and went up to a campground about two miles up. And I said, Now wait for two hours, then come back. So him and I are in the, in the night, in this area, looking for this cash. And all of a sudden, here comes this truck down the road, and it's a BLM Ranger. And he pulls in on this little dirt road, gets out, and starts looking around. Well, my buddy, my buddy, he's already on the ground hiding. Well, this guy, starts he's got packing a gun, and it's kind of a full moon. And I have a metal detector with me. I heard he shut it off. And he starts coming through the trees, and he's coming right for me. So I'm standing in this tree, in this tree, you know. (laughs) And he comes right up to me, and then turns around and releases himself. And his back—I can touch him on the shoulder. Mm-hmm. And I said, "If he turns around, I'm gonna have to shoot him." He's gonna piss on <laughs> your leg too. <laughs> so he's standing there, and he says, "I know where them. I wonder where them effing guys went." He says to himself, mm-hmm. "I was gonna say I'm right here." <laughs> <laughs> so I just stand there, and he dinks around forever, and I gotta stand and hunkered up into that tree. Mm. You know not moving i can feel the stuff beneath my feet starting to slip mm. so i reached over and i grabbed the tree a little tighter <laughs> and pretty soon he leaves and so that was kind of a hairy oh move. yeah for sure <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: yeah had he caught you you would have been arrested right oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
1: And, well, and we didn't find the cash
0: <laughs> you know,
2: there, there
0: is another one i don't
2: want to focus on it too much but there are a few places where i've been treasure hunting we'll go out for a few days and um I don't want to say there's paranormal out there, but some of us treasure hunters do believe that when you're in the real area, you're in a right area of ancient history. Mm-hmm. And it could be linked to I Indians agree. or whatever. That there is something that lingers, especially mm-hmm. when there's tragedy. Like there's there's uh, Hoy Peak, like what Steve was talking about before. I've spent many summers up there and many nights up there, and I don't know what it is, but the, you know, what, what, there definitely was slavery. We do know that the Spanish took the use. As slaves, and they, they cut off toes and they killed them, and it was just a harsh life. And, and when you have that going around on one mountaintop for 100 a hundred years, of negativity, so, yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. Of bad and, vibes. And so, I mean, there is that. I don't know if you want to call that danger that you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. bring to that, but that is definitely a different kind of
0: feeling, too. If you if, sure, 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 if you picture that. <laughs> last, last question What's your uh, favorite uh, artifact that you've ever found? is wow. the one that pops in your mind? Mine well,
2: would be the Spanish store. I got a Spanish store that I was told that I was dated back to the late 1700s or early 1800s. That one, uh, not a lot of people come to my home, but that one is now on a hutch Front right center. when you walk in and I got a display of the store. You know, there's a light on the hutch that shines. Nice. Down. Usually when people walk in, if, if it's a treasure hunting buddy, I'll turn on the light before they come <laughs> there so they can see it, you know, illuminating like, oh, but uh, usually I keep the light off, you know, when normal mm-hmm. people are coming by, people don't even know it's there half the time but did you For find me, that you found
1: that in utah i found that in utah yeah yep. how about you steve well man i've got my house is a museum yeah uh i have three swords that i found mm-hmm. across uh, the spanish bell mm-hmm. a mission bell that i found in a river mm. in utah wow i have uh, ancient babylonian tablets wow. i have ancient egyptian tablets i have gold bars i have gold nuggets i i have a lot <laughs> yeah and so they're all favorite you know, because every yeah, one yeah. of those places that I was at and discovered these things w- was in itself a, a, a magnificent moment. And so I guess I can't say there was just one, mm-hmm. but there was many. Lots and, of them. And different. it's it's really fun. I don't know what's going to happen when I die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tim, you're going to have a whole
0: house full of cool stuff. You know, there was even one
2: time, Steve, just a couple years ago, he, he has man he just has so much that and he won't show most people this kind of stuff and i don't blame him but he has so much that there was even one point where we were trying to find like a a type of way to to get him to have a museum Mm -hmm. of his own where he lives that way he can show off these displays and stuff like that so well i can
1: now because of of my degree yeah you know so and and i have a i have good security system I have a, a yeah. Don't don't try anybody. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm, I'm safe. You know we have a, well, yeah. we have a Fort Knox well, safe, big one. In-
0: I'll tell you what, I've I've got some cool jobs, that you guys am jealous. Actual treasure hunters, man. Thank you so much, guys. You're welcome, Chris. That <laughs> was a blast. Thank God. you, buddy. Thanks again to professional real-life Indiana Jones treasure hunters Steve Schaefer and Tim Draper. You can see our investigation into the legend of Butch Cassidy and the great Castlegate heist this Friday, November 17th, on the Travel Channel special, The Legend of with Chris Jericho airing at 11 p.m. Eastern. We are going to go and try and find the missing gold of Butch Cassidy, the Sundance Kid and the Wild Bunch, and wait until you see what we find out. It's amazing. And wait until you see what's going on on the Jericho Cruise, the Chris Jericho Rock and Wrestling Razor at Sea. Cabins are booking up fast. We've got some sold-out decks already. Uh, we've got another huge addition to the lineup. Cody, don't call him Rhodes, is coming aboard uh, the Ring of Honor, Sea of Honor Tournament. He joins the villain, Marty Skrull. He joins the most popular on the independent scene today, the Young Bucks Bullet Club will be there. Brandy Rhodes will be there as well, the first uh, entrant from Women of Honor. The Sea of Honor Tournament takes place on the ship itself. Takes place on the ship in the middle of the ocean. First time it's ever been done. I want you to be there. Go to ChrisJerichoCruise.com to reserve your cabin now for as low as $150. A deposit can hold your reservation. And remember, all of the activities on the ship, the entire Sea of Honor Tournament, All the meet and greets, all the signings, all the comedy shows, all the rock and roll shows, all the live podcasts will take place, and they're all inclusive. So is food. Everything is inclusive when you purchase a cabin, all right? And if you book by January 15th, you'll get a picture of me with the list. You can put your own name on the list. And if you're one of the first 400 cabins, we're getting close to the edge of that one now, you'll be part of a special Chris Jericho Q&A. Remember, we set sail October 27th, 2018. And here's the rest of the current lineup. Of course, I will be there, your hosts with the most... Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler will be hosting the show, uh, hosting the cruise Mick Foley, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat Rey Mysterio, uh, Killing the Town will be there, Keeping It 100 with Conan Disco Inferno and Shane Helms Tim and Dave from Beyond the Darkness will be scaring the pants off of you, it's right around Halloween time Raven will be there, Ron Funches doing comedy, Jim Brewer doing comedy, Brad Williams doing comedy, check three all the three of those guys out there, are hilarious, Busted Open Radio is joining the festivities SoCal Val is the special guest cruise director and on the rock and roll side of things fozzy uh, with judas our number five we have a top five hit on u.s rock radio it's incredible number five i can't even believe it that's just uh, amazing to me thank you for supporting us phil campbell and the bastard sons will be there straight from motorhead into into the bastard sons onto the ship king the dives featuring evan stanley the dave spivak project featuring Spewy, jim brewer's loud and rowdy great rock and roll band the darlings of rock and roll the Cherry Bombs, we're doing some amazing choreographed rock and roll shows Shoot to Thrill, the world's best female ACDC cover band Blizzard of Oz, the world's best male Ozzy Osbourne cover band, so much stuff going on, other acts to still be announced Ring of Honor's got a whole lot of people uh, that are coming aboard as well and I'm working on somebody else that would blow the roof off the place if they're able to make it, so book your cabin now at ChrisJerichoCruise.com and come be a part of this the first ever rock and wrestling razor at sea, you're going to love it, and don't forget January 4th at the Tokyo Dome Alpha versus omega chris jericho versus kenny omega uh double main event along with okada and uh naito we are going to tear the house down that's only in japan uh but you are going to hear all about it if you want to subscribe to new japan world you can see it but a lot much more to come on that match uh but so that's all i got to say today thank you so much for listening and coming up this friday The very funny, very informative, very inspirational, one of the newest additions to the NXT main event roster, Kyle O'Reilly is going to be here, and what a story he has to tell. Thank you so much for listening. Keep on listening. We'll see you on Friday. Until then, stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love, and hugs, and a big, yeah, boy. And don't forget, watch The Legend of with Chris Jericho, Friday night, this is Friday night, November 17th at 11 p.m. Eastern. Check it out. Don't you dare miss it.